Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is June 29th, 2022, and our first story... Colbert asks Ocasio-Cortez if she will run for president, despite the fact that Joe Biden keeps saying he will run for re-election. No one, not the Democrats or Colbert, believe he actually will. And AOC, she didn't deny it, but she did downplay it. So we'll see if Biden's actually going to run. In our next story, the surprise witness at the January 6th hearing has made claims that are outright lies according to members of the Secret Service and another aide who claims a note she claims she wrote was just not true. There's no cross-examination, but people are now saying it's perjury. And in our last story, an update on the story of the trans woman who defeated the 13-year-old girl. She says, I take no prisoners. I'm not going to hold back just because they're kids. If you like this show, give us a good review, leave us five stars, and share the show with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. Appearing on Stephen Colbert's show, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez called on the president to make several moves and called on to Congress to codify many progressive positions. In the midst of the conversation, Stephen Colbert gleefully presses Ocasio-Cortez on whether she'll run for president in 2024, which is a hilarious prospect. Not so much because of AOC, but because of Joe Biden. You see, over the New York Times, they have an article titled Biden irked by Democrats who won't take yes for an answer on 2024. The White House is trying to tamp down speculation about plans to seek reelection, while aides say President Biden is bristling at the persist, uh, persistent questions. No matter how many times Joe Biden comes out and says, I'm going to run for a second term, Democrats respond by going, yeah, yeah, okay, Grandpa, so who can we get to run in 2024? And Biden can't stand it. Biden, maybe you should see the writing on the wall. They don't want you. Your brain does not work. And I'm tired of being nice about it, okay? We all know when the guy comes out and says, turn it in a shop at a pressure. Better calf care, next now recent. These aren't words. Yo, there's so, the guy can't even read the teleprompter. Biden, you need to see the writing on the wall. They are going to replace you in 2024. CNN's Chris Saliza roasted for touting Hillary Clinton in 2024. And The Hill has five under-the-radar Democrats who could run for president in 2024. Yes. 
and on primetime television to millions of viewers, Stephen Colbert asks AOC whether she will run. You know what? I thought about it. It actually might be AOC. No, seriously. I mean, she's got a, a very high Q rating, as it were. I mean, not literal, probably actually, but I mean, in terms of her favorability among Democrats, AOC is particularly high. She's youthful, she's exuberant, and she's progressive. And many on the left might actually support her because she's not quite the far left you'd expect. She's not Antifa, Socialist Rifle Association left. She's Democratic Socialist, but, you know, will probably come out with liberals opposing guns and doing all the typical liberal things. In terms of youthful exuberance, it's got to be AOC. I mean, let's be real. Who else could they even run if they wanted to? The best bet probably would be Michelle Obama, but I don't know if she'd do it. Hillary Clinton is being roasted because apparently a former aide is saying her ratings are lower than Trump's, which is why Trump won in the first place. Now, I don't know if it would be AOC. And it does seem like a long shot, but I got to be honest. Just sit and think about it. Name any Democrat who could possibly win. Yeah, AOC probably can't, but more so than anyone else. I mean, what do you get? Pete Buttigieg? Nah, that guy's a D-lister. I mean, they, they put him in the administration, but what does he really have to offer? Speaking on Colbert's show, AOC made some grand nonsense in her statements about what should be done and why it should be done. Speaking about Abraham Lincoln and saying things that are just factually incorrect and that make no sense. And they show that AOC has not even bothered to Google search history. But I will add, she also called on Biden to do things that she, okay, she says, Abraham Lincoln did these things, which exacerbated the Civil War. And Joe Biden should do the same things. It seems kind of like a crazy thing to, to say. Abraham Lincoln did things that exacerbated the Civil War. Okay, I suppose I'll put it this way. We're glad Abraham Lincoln did what he did and won. We're sad that a Civil War happened, but it needed to. I mean, we needed to end slavery and the South was seceding. So what do you do? So you had the moral conflict over ending slavery and you had the political conflict over the union. AOC is now calling on Joe Biden to take actions, which seem to insinuate a civil war is coming. You know, I, I love to say the word civil war, not that I want one to happen because people don't understand when AOC calls for these things. The reason why I would say you shouldn't do them is because war is not what you think it will be. It is not like a movie. It is torturous. It is terrifying. And the people who are advocating for these things probably have never seen a loved one grievously injured, let alone a stranger. I've seen people die before my very eyes. And you get a feeling that is indescribable, or at least I did. I don't know how you feel. Some people probably don't feel anything. I saw someone seriously injured in a car accident happen right in front of me. Very serious injuries I cannot describe because it'd probably be too upsetting to people. And it gave me a feeling I could not describe. So if you're concerned about the, the, the conflict in this country, I will never support policy that would push us towards or escalate civil war. You don't want it. That's why it's crazy that the AOC acknowledges that's what Abraham Lincoln did. And we should do it, too, because I'm just like, man, maybe there are things that need to be done for the greater good. But if it in any way leads to war, I couldn't advocate for it. One of my favorite movies of all time, The Patriot, which I often mention on Timcast IRL. The main character, Mel Gibson, he says, if, if, you, if, if you ask me, should we be independent from the crown? I say yes. If you believe that we should not have taxation without representation, I say yes. But if that means going to war, I say no. And therein lies the real challenge. The people who lust for violence or don't care when it comes. 
Let's read the story and go through exactly what's going on. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com. Click that sign up button in the top right and become a member to support our work. We need your support. It's how we fund the operation. It's how we keep these journalists employed. And you'll get access to exclusive segments from the TimCast IRL podcast. It's the TimCast After Dark, uncensored, not very family friendly versions of the show with our guests. And it's a huge library of these interviews. Rather topical, but still worth listening to in many respects. You'll also be supporting the infrastructure we use because we are using companies like Rumble that are more resilient to censorship to support this alternate ecosystem. So don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel and share this video wherever you can. Let's read the first story from Mediaite. Colbert gleefully presses AOC on whether she'll run for president in 2024. Comedian Colbert asked Rep. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez on Tuesday if she'll run for president in 24. Quote, you know, there's some speculation as to whether President Joe Biden is going to run in 2024. There's some reports that he's a little frustrated that people keep asking because he keeps saying yes. And people go, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> poor Biden. I shouldn't say poor Biden because he's a crackpot, corrupt lunatic. He's, he's, he's filthy and so is his son. But I'm just imagining this, this doddering old fool being like, I'm going to run in 2024. And they're like, oh, okay, okay, grandpa. So who should we get to run in 2024? And he's like, Burr. theoretically, here we go. He says, I, uh, you know, I know somebody's going to turn 35 about a month before the election in 24. And they represent New York's 14th congressional district. Is that job appealing to you at all? And she says, Theor- uh, theoretically, Colbert added, Cortez did not close the door. She says, I think we need to focus on keeping a democracy for anybody to be president in the next couple of years. And that's my central focus in helping the people of this country. So it's possible, asked Colbert. So it's possible. I don't know about all that, replied AOC. I'm just here to get you in a little trouble, joked Colbert. You're getting me in trouble, said AOC. I don't know about all of that. <laughs> so funny. I don't I don't think AOC could be president. She is too young. You need a little bit more behind you. 35, but she's got more pizzazz and X factor behind her than any other Democrat save Michelle Obama. Not that I think Michelle Obama could win at this point. People are just going to be voting against the Democrats. They're going to be looking at exactly what's going on with gas prices and inflation. They're going to be like, dude, I don't care if you're the Pope. If you run as a Democrat, you ain't getting my vote. Well, to be honest, the Pope would never run as a Democrat because a Democrat would never vote for a Pope. But you get the point. They're not going to care if you're the biggest name in the world. The Democrats have let them down. Now, I'd like to talk to you about our good friend Joe Biden and him being irked. Before I do, I want to address some points about what's happening in this country and uh, why Joe Biden probably won't be president, won't be running for president in 2024. So speaking on Colbert's show, AOC made several points. This from AOC is how Democrats should be talking about SCOTUS. The Supreme Court has engaged in overreach, and it is the responsibility of the president and Congress to put them in check because they have delegitimized themselves. These are the kind of things you need to pay attention to. When Stephen Colbert says, do you want to run for president? And then the person he just asked doesn't, can't string together a coherent historical precedent. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. 
That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. Well, she can't string together a sentence referencing facts. The Supreme Court is engaged in overreach. How is that? She's calling on the federal government to pull in to put a check on the Supreme Court. Why? Because they rescinded their own authority. That's it. Let's talk about Roe v. Wade. The Supreme Court said that the federal government does not have the authority as it stands to mandate the states do anything, and it's going to be up to the states to, to pass this, or Congress. Congress could pass a law codifying Roe v. Wade, but as it stands, the Supreme Court does not have the constitutional authority to rule on the matter. AOC said it's overreach. Since when is it overreach to be like, yo, I don't have the power. I'm out. I'm stepping back. It's because AOC, like many of the left, has embraced fascistic tenets. As the late David Graeber said, elements of the left have have taken on fascistic, um, not fascism, but but fascistic philosophies. There is no truth but power. The idea among AOC men and the left is that the federal government should assert more authority over how the government is run. Meanwhile, SCOTUS just said, we don't have the authority and we're backing off. I want to show you this. Actions AOC recommends Congress and President Biden take. Entertain expansion of SCOTUS. That's insane. End the Senate filibuster. I think that's wrong. Repeal the Hyde Amendment. That's political. Codify Roe, same-sex marriage, right to contraception, and interracial, interracial marriage. Interracial marriage is not a substantive due process question like these other ones, so that's a bit silly. That one's more of a equality under the law as it exists with marriage. So same-sex marriage is, is relatively different and re- relies on other, it relies on other precedent that, re- that does rely on substantive, substantive due process. However, fine, whatever. Codify those things, by all means. In this video, so first let me, let me address this. The expansion of SCOTUS is based on the idea of, of the districts in the United States and that there should be a judge for each district, federal districts. And because we've expanded the districts, we should, you know, I, I think they want to add, what, five more? Or is it four, four more, I think? I'm not entirely sure. Right now, there is like a few justices that handle a few districts versus just one. So, OK, there's an argu- argument to be made, but I don't think you can just do that because you're losing. Ending the filibuster is a mistake because the filibuster is a check on majoritarian rule. Now, the left wants that. They want to say, we got one extra vote, crush them. I think it's a bad idea. I think a democracy is two wolves and a lamb deciding on what's for lunch, and a republic is a well-armed lamb contesting the vote. And thus, you have the option for certain jurisdictions to be protected. When it comes to the Senate, we're talking about state representation, not people. That's, That's the House. So, Smaller states wanted protections. They said, why should we join your union if, the, if, if New York City is just going to crush us? And they said, we'll give your state the ability to add, you know, two senators per state. <clears throat> and thus, you want to make the argument left? Sure. 
then Rhode Island and Delaware should be merged into their surrounding states. Rhode Island becomes Massachusetts and Delaware becomes Maryland because these states are microscopic. Maryland, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, uh, Rhode Island, I think, is like 30, uh, 37 miles by like 48 miles. It's microscopic. And, and Delaware, I think, is like 30 by 90. But they get two senators. They're just basically cities. It's Providence and Wilmington. No, but OK, they're states. And, and because this is the way things are, it's the way things are. And populations shift. We respect they'll get senators. Then you have smaller states, uh, less, uh, you have larger states that are less populous. No, the Senate filibuster is actually a good thing. The Hyde Amendment, you're talking about politics. The Hyde Amendment bars the federal government from funding abortion. You want to repeal that? Fine. Win your elections. Make the moves. Codifying these things, Roe and same-sex marriage. All right. That's going to rely on Congress. But I want to point out some, um, some factual issues. I'm going to play this video, which I actually don't think the audio is coming through properly, but we'll play it. So Colbert is asking about abortion and blah, blah, blah. AOC says in the 1800s, the Supreme Court was taken over by the Confederate self. It was starting to rule in ways that limited Abraham Lincoln. OK, carry on, AOC. In the Dred Scott ruling, they ruled that black Americans could never be full citizens. Well, she's correct about that part. And what did what did what did Abraham Lincoln do? He signed the Emancipation Proclamation. That is so mind bogglingly insane. AOC went on Colbert and just sputtered buzzword garbage that made literally no sense. All right. The reason I bring this up is because she's got 13 million followers. Because Colbert just asked if she'd run for office and she did not say no. And there's a possibility. But let me just help y'all out. AOC was correct about Dred Scott. Dred Scott was a ruling that said the Constitution was not for descendants of Africa. However, Dred Scott was a ruling from 1857, four years before Abraham Lincoln became president. So no, the Supreme Court was not ruling in ways that was screwing with Abraham Lincoln, who was not president at the time. More importantly, Abraham Lincoln became president after secession. Oh, man. Uh, now, I know many people point out Abraham Lincoln's victory in the election uh, uh, triggered much of secession because he was he was uh, opposed to slavery. So many of these states seceded before Abraham Lincoln was president. He enters the presidency when there were already states that had left the union. AOC has no idea what she's talking about. And then here's the best part. She's like, the, you know, the Supreme Court was taken over by the Confederacy and ruling in ways that was it was inhibiting Abraham Lincoln. And so what did he do? He passed the Emancipation Proclamation. Yo, what? The state seceded before Abraham Lincoln was president. Dred Scott happened four years before he was president. So he wasn't even running for office at the time. And then the Emancipation Proclamation was an executive order issued on January 1st, 1863, two years after he became president. The Dred Scott ruling was six years before the Emancipation Proclamation. Oh, AOC, read a book. I just pulled up Wikipedia. Not even the best source of things. 
<sighs> Remarkable. And then she comes out and she says that Joe Biden should do similar things. OK, you were wrong about what happened with the Civil War. You have no idea what you're talking about. But here we are. OK, please do not entertain President AOC. She is not learned, not read and doesn't know what she's talking about. She's a hypocrite and she flip flops. And I'm not saying vote for Donald Trump. No, there's many people who are better than her. But seriously, I just couldn't help it. I've been reading so much about the Civil War that when I saw this, I was just like, oh, heavens help me. This makes literally no sense. Abraham Lincoln, as president, traveled back in time to complain about Dred Scott because it was a ruling that inhibited his future. What? I'm just so tired of all of this. I have to be completely honest. And here we go. Oh, poor sleepy Joe. No matter how many times he says he's going to run, they just say, yeah, okay, grandpa. Earlier this month, when Senator Bernie Sanders said he would not challenge Biden in 2024, Mr. Biden was so relieved he invited his former rival to dinner. Biden was eager for signs of loyalty, and they have been few and far between. Facing intensifying skepticism about his capacity to run for re-election, when he will be nearly 82 years old, the president and his top aides have been stung by the question about his plans. Irritated at what they see as a lack of respect from their party in the press, and determined to tamp down suggestions that he's effectively a lame duck a year and a half into his administration. He is. Biden's brain is not there. It is damaged. Okay, and I'm not trying to be a mean person to the man, but Democrats are outright concerned about his cognitive abilities and his age. The dude's got metal plates like he has. He has like metal plates in his brain or something. Look at this. Mr. Biden isn't just intending to run, his aides argue, but he's also laying the groundwork by building resources, the DNC, restocking his operation in battleground states and looking to use his influence to shape the nomination process in his favor. Sure, play that game. Take a look at this. CNN's Crystal is a roasted for touting Hillary Clinton in 2024. Oh, no. Joe Biden can say it over and over again. But people are so unwilling to believe that he would and could run that CNN actually wrote an article that said it's Hillary Clinton. Now is her time. No, I'm sorry. It isn't. Don't believe me. Fox News reports former Hillary Clinton campaign strategist says she shouldn't run in 2024. Her ratings are below Trump's. Yeah, Clinton denies having any plan to get back into politics. And Mark Penn, her 2008 campaign strategist, tells Fox News it wouldn't be a good idea. I don't think the country wants to go back to candidates who have run before, whether that is Hillary, Biden or Trump. Clinton's national ratings are below Trump's at this point. You want to know just how bad it really is? Ladies and gentlemen, I give you real clear politics. The RCP President Biden job approval average. Today, in aggregate. Joe Biden's approval is at 38%. He is underwater nearly 20 points. 57.5% aggregate disapproval to 38% aggregate approval. This is not a single poll. It's all of them. The thing that's really interesting to me the most is that Trafalgar Group and Quinnipiac have Joe Biden's approval at 35 And Rasmussen has him at 39. Rasmussen typically shows the Democrats in a less favorable light polling wise. And right now, Trafalgar and Quinnipiac have Joe Biden lower than Rasmussen. 
Let me tell you why this matters. Because you jump over to Donald Trump's aggregate of job approval rating, and we can see right before January 6th, or just about on, Donald Trump's approval was 44.2. And after the news broke, it dropped down to 39.3. That is to say the lowest point in Donald Trump's presidency in the last in his last few months following the most egregious moment, so say the Democrats, was 39.3. Now, Donald Trump's lowest point period was 37.1, December 16th, 2017. So, okay, he's been lower than Joe. But the Democrats are heavily banking on January 6th. They're claiming insurrection. They're saying, oh, oh, man, look at what's going on right now with these hearings and Cassidy Hutchinson. I need y'all to understand the day after this happened, the days following this, Donald Trump's aggregate approval was still higher than Joe Biden's. In fact, Rasmussen had Trump at 51 percent on January 14th. Economist, 44 percent. These are all well past January 6th. Now, to be fair, CNN and Quinnipiac had him at 34. And that's in the days prior, uh, after, I'm sorry, uh, um, after the uh, January 6th incident. So this is where we're at. Joe Biden has a lower approval rating than Trump did at seemingly the worst point in his presidency. Now, granted, Trump had a lower point, but I mean, January 6th is what they're highlighting as like the worst point of his administration. And then we can talk about what the Democrats are doing. From the Colorado Sun. Joe Odea beats Ron Hanks in Colorado's Republican U.S. Senate primary. Odea, a first-time candidate, overcame millions of dollars in Democratic spending to aid his primary opponent. Oh, Democrats, no. The Democrats were funding what they said was the far right, pumping money into the campaign of Ron Hanks, and he lost. Talk about miserable, psychotic strategy. The Democrats have lost their minds. It's backfiring miserably. First-time candidate Joe Odea secured the Republican nomination for U.S. Senate in Colorado, despite the Democrats spending to aid his opponent. Odea, who owns a Denver construction company, had 55% of the vote compared to the 45% of the vote that went to Hanks as of 2 a.m. Wednesday. Votes were still being counted, but it was clear that Odea had cruised to victory and will face the Democratic U.S. Senator Michael Bennett in November. I won't vote for the party line, Odea said in a victory speech. I'll be more like a Republican Joe Manchin. I will always put America and Colorado first. <clears throat> I respect it. I think we need more moderates. I just think the de- just don't vote with Democrats. Don't give them what they want and stop cooperating with them. Cooperate with the American people. Well, let's pull a Breitbart. Trump endorsed candidates remain on fire after going perfect 12 to 0. In Tuesday's primaries, you mean Donald Trump didn't endorse Ron Hanks or is this? I'm sorry. This is. Um, in, uh, did he not endorse either? They say in Colorado, Trump endorsed Lauren Boebert, <clears throat> excuse me, who won. With 90 percent of the votes reporting, she got 64.2 percent. All four candidates who earned Trump's nod in Illinois took home their nominations. The state senator Darren Bailey securing the GOP nomination for governor in the Prairie State. That's interesting. I guess he didn't make an endorsement in Colorado. He's making safe bets. It was a similar story in Oklahoma. Blah, blah, blah. We get it. He won. Last week, Trump Republicans were perfect in both Virginia and Alabama, but ran into trouble in Georgia. So this we know. Georgia's interesting. 
I think that what we're seeing with Georgia is that people want moderates. People want it. They like the idea that someone stood up to Trump. In these other states, they're just saying, I don't care, dude. I don't want the Democrats. We need a change because things are getting worse. Now, maybe it'll be, uh, maybe the Democrats will, will put in AOC. And then the party just implodes. You know, look, I know they're entertaining AOC. I don't think it will be AOC because I really doubt she can get enough support in this country to actually pull it off. I just don't see it. But you look at everyone else they have, who could beat her? In the Democratic ticket, she'd end up winning and then losing miserably. But I guess we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll tell you what's really going on. I'll tell you why, it, why people are mad. You know, TimCast.com reports, U.S. power companies face shortages and outages this summer. Yeah, it's an energy crisis. We've got uh, high heat heading our way. <clears throat> and so there's a concern that people are going to be pumping their air conditioning to the point where the grid is strained. Gas prices are through the roof. Biden and Democrats are saying buy electric cars. So what's going to happen? The more electric cars get put on the grid, the more strain the grid gets. The grid's already strained. And then power outages. WFLI says a report from the North American Electric Reliability Corporation indicates parts of the country, including Indiana, are at high risk of overloading the region's electrical grid. Over at our new HQ, we have installed solar panels and massive batteries that can run for days. We don't have to worry about the power going out. At our current facility, we do. And if it gets too hot and the power goes out, we're in trouble. So for the time being, the challenge we have is that our West, West Virginia facility doesn't yet have internet installed. We do have Starlink, which means we can do our live shows at 480p, no problem, via Starlink. That's cool. And I imagine there may be some hiccups with, I don't know, clouds and stuff like that. We also have two Starlinks we could potentially bond internet. And we do actually have a local cellular network internet point-to-point -point system, but we don't have the high-speed stuff. If things get really bad, we could set up a makeshift studio and work through the energy outages and everything like that. Keep the show going. Why are we planning for this? Because we know that Joe Biden's policies have spiked energy in this country. And so months ago, we started saying, let's get ready for energy shortages. I'm glad I thought ahead. How many of you thought ahead? How many of you thought so far ahead you voted for Donald Trump? Exactly. But it's not just about energy. While I do think it's the economy, stupid, and gas prices are hurting people and power outages are going to shock people, we also got to talk about the culture war. TimCast.com reporting Loudoun schools sued for moral corruption of children, deliberate, almost gleeful violation of parental rights. A lawsuit has been filed against Loudoun County Public Schools on behalf of 11 parents alleging deliberate, egregious, and systemic violation of parents' rights. The people in Loudoun County, these are not Republicans. It's like a mixed area. It's a, it's a D.C. suburb. <clears throat> these people are probably normies. They've had enough. The suburban moms voted for Glenn Youngkin, a Republican. One million Democrat voters switched parties. CNN ran an analysis showing something's changing. These people are joining in the Republican primary because they're fired up. And they don't want to vote Democrat. So please, try everything you can. Colbert, bring out AOC to speak nonsense about the Civil War, to call on Biden to enact policies that 
happened during the Civil War because of her ridiculous understanding of what actually happened. And you're going to see Republicans sweep. I will say this, as I've said it, I said it last night in Timcast IRL, we're winning and we're going to win. Freedom, liberty, personal responsibility. I don't necessarily think religion outright, but I do believe a a somewhat more Christian moral framework. Excuse me. I should get water when I do these. Here's what I think is going to happen. You've probably heard me talk about Thucydides' trap, that when a rising economic power is about to displace a dominant power, war breaks out. I think there's a microcosm of that happening here in the United States. We have the parallel economy emerging. We have a constitutional republic seeking to survive. And then you have what the left describes as a new multicultural democracy begging to be born. But here's what I see. Freedom, personal responsibility, liberty, and what we believe in is winning. We are displacing the establishment and their goals. At a certain point, as the parallel economy expands and new platforms and new infrastructure like Rumble emerges, eventually you will have economic displacement. Internally, we may be facing our own Thucydides trap. As the parallel economy grows and we displace the establishment, perhaps war is inevitable. But guess what? We win. I don't want there to be conflict or war, and neither do you. No one should. And anybody advocating for it is insane. They don't get it. The Civil War was one of the bloodiest wars ever fought, and it was nightmarish. Nobody thought it could happen because they were arrogant, but then it did. And it was nightmarish. And this is where we go now. If AOC really is advocating that Biden do things that Lincoln did because the Civil War was uh, because the Confederacy was dominating the Supreme Court. Yeah, Abraham Lincoln tried to arrest a justice. I think they expelled one. I'm not sure. The federal government arrested members of Florida's General Assembly. I'm sorry, Maryland's General Assembly. It's just bonkers. It's insane. You know, we don't want this. We don't want fighting. But it seems like it may be inevitable. So we have to resist. But how do you do it when one side will lie, cheat and steal and prop up the dumbest people on TV and beg they become president when they don't even know basic history? That AOC is a rep is terrifying. That her vote is the same as yours. Someone who doesn't know what this country is founded upon, doesn't even understand basic history, negates your vote. That's reality of first past the post. It's reality of voting. So we need a more educated public. We need you to share videos like this. We need you to challenge even what I say and educate yourselves. And maybe then we can get members of the public to better understand and say we reject your broken ideas. And maybe if there was a powerful awakening, we would avoid major conflict. If everyone just says, I walk away from you then there wouldn't need to be a conflict. Maybe then the, the establishment, the neocons, the neolibs can just back down and say, we give up. And they should. For the time being, it just seems like things are escalating. Well, at least I can say it doesn't seem like Joe Biden will be running for president no matter what he says. So I'll leave it there. Next segment is coming up at 8 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast IRL. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. A surprise witness to the January 6th select committee, Cassidy Hutchinson lied, told insane stories that made no sense. And then the media, both some conservative anti-Trump media and corporate press 
acted like it was so shocking and true. It's laughable. Now, I know most of you don't care about January 6th, but my friends, you must be armed with information so you can talk to people when they say, did you see that woman who said Trump attacked the Secret Service agent? And you can be like, actually, NBC News reported Secret Service agents are willing to testify under oath. That never happened. I'm just going to come out and say, if you believe this woman, you have a mental impairment. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I am not saying that to insult you. I am quite literally saying it would take a special kind of person to believe this news. Because all you have to do is read it to understand it makes quite literally no sense. Then you have NBC News coming out and saying Secret Service agents will testify under oath. This stuff never happened. Cassidy Hutchinson testifying that There were AR-15s, plural, concealed along with glocks and brass knuckles at the ellipse, which is insane. Look, you can conceal an AR-15, fine. But the idea that there would be more than one being brought into Washington, D.C., where it's illegal and brass knuckles and that no one was arrested over this. And then after leaving the ellipse to see Trump speak, they left the AR-15s there. This makes no sense. So so people came in to the ellipse to see Trump speak with rifles concealed somehow and then got caught and handed over this $1,000 rifle and they just left it there. Absolutely psychotic to believe you can't. The people who believe this stuff, this is the problem. Their, their vote counts as much as yours. These are, the, these are people that if you went to them and said, I personally witnessed Jesse Smollett's attack and it wasn't those two Nigerian brothers. It was Donald Trump himself and Trump Jr. They would go, oh, that proves it. Insane. Let me, let me, let me show you these stories and explain to you how they're lying and why it's insane. Now, look, look, I want to say this. I don't care about the January 6th committee. It's such a waste of time. and This is proof. But this was such an insane story. It really does break apart the entirety of the narrative. You have to be you have to be either willfully lying or dumber than a box of rocks. During one of the most intense congressional testimonies in history, a new image emerged that will define the Trump presidency, writes the Boston Globe. They emailed me this one. That's funny. American presidents, if they are remembered at all, are remembered for an iconic image or a quick fact that both serve as shorthand and define them for history. There is a tale of how Abraham Lincoln scratched out the Great Gettysburg Address, a picture of FDR smoking a cigar, wearing a top hat and waving to supporters sitting in a car. Howard Taft, above anything he did in office, is remembered for being fat. He got stuck in a bathtub. Then there was Richard Nixon flashing two peace signs as he was about to board Marine One while resigning the presidency. And Ronald Reagan, peace signs. I, I, want, I want to point something out, too. He, they're not peace signs. They're victory signs. But maybe just people don't know that anymore. When you hold up the two fingers, it's a V for victory. And that implies that with victory, there will be peace. Can I just say that? All right, blah, blah, blah. Following Tuesday's hearing of the House Select Committee investigating January 6th, a new image emerged of Donald Trump, one that may forever serve as the symbol of his chaotic and unprecedented presidency. Under oath, I love this part. Cassidy Hutchinson, a top aide to then White House chief of staff, recalled in detail several meetings, text messages, text message conversations and phone calls with which she was personally involved. You see how they do that? 
She was personally involved. She said that after Trump returned to the White House from his January 6th speech in the mall, she ran into a Secret Service agent who asked if she had heard what just happened moments earlier in the president's vehicle. She said she had not. He told her that the president got in the vehicle after a speech, believing that there was a good chance he would be driven to the Capitol ahead of the mob when agent said they were not going to do that because they had no way to keep him safe. The agent told Hutchinson that Trump grew irate. Hutchinson said the agent relayed that Trump yelled something to the effect of, I'm the effing president. Take me up to the Capitol now. He then reached towards the front seat to try and grab the steering wheel when the agent in the limo, known as one who was particularly loyal to Trump, told the president to remove his hands from the wheel. Trump then lunged at the agent, apparently going for his neck. Hutchinson testified. And there it was. An iconic story that will forever define the Trump presidency. Trump will be recalled as the president who attacked his own Secret Service agent in a brazen attempt to put even more pressure on Congress to overturn an election he rightfully lost. It was, of course, all based on a lie. Okay, this is insane. I'm sorry. It's absolutely insane. First of all, the idea that Donald Trump, they say he wasn't in the limo. If he was in the limo, there's no way he could have done this. Was he reached through the security thing they have, but separating the driver like Trump's riding shotgun? Is that what the, Trump's lunging from the back seat over the driver and then grabbing his throat? That's just insane. But more importantly, she said that she was told this by someone else. You see the dirty game they play? Personally involved. It's a phone. She was personally involved in being told a story by someone else. Okay. Sorry, lady, I don't buy it. It's very obvious that she's exaggerating, like at the very least exaggerating, or just outright making this stuff up. They say, even such dramatic moments don't capture this, blah, blah, blah. It was quick to be dismissed as hearsay. Yeah, it's some lady who said, I heard a guy told me this. She heard it from a friend. So I'm supposed to believe it? Okay. The important factor here, Peter Alexander of NBC News, okay, Weekend Today Show anchor. This is not some conservative source. New. Secret Service Spock's Anthony Guglielmi tells me the agents in Trump's presidential SUV are available to testify under oath, responding to Hutchinson's new allegations. A source close to the Secret Service says both men dispute Trump grabbed the steering wheel or assaulted an agent. They do not deny that Trump was irate and demanded, um, demanded they drive to the Capitol. Secret Service Spock's Anthony Guglielmi tells me the, the agents that have communicated to DHS, any and all personnel that the Secret Service are, uh, that the January 6th committee requests are available to testify under oath, responding to Hutchinson's new allegations. Okay, well, there you go. Well, what's that? They're not going to bring them in? Come on, bring them in. Bring, bring in these other agents, testify under oath. This never happened. The January 6th committee brought in a woman under oath who then told a story she heard from someone else. Hearsay is not admissible as evidence in court. This is all one big vomitous game. And you have to be stupider than a box of rocks to believe this stuff. Next thing you know, they're going to say Donald Trump screamed, this is MAGA country. Let me show you who's next in line to be dumber than a box of rocks. The National Review, Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony against Trump is devastating. Devastating, she says skillfully led through a prosecutor-style direct examination by committee chairwoman Liz Cheney. Hutchinson explained that Trump was like a wild beast at the ellipse shortly before his gasoline on the fire speech. Liz Cheney, you are just so awful. 
I, I despise the Cheneys. They are some of the most vile, vomitous, decrepit scumbags this country has ever produced. The magnetometers were vital for security. Despite it being obvious that the mags would detect weapons, many fanatics went through them anyway. Police thus seized knives, clubs, toxic sprays, brass knuckles, and so on. But that is not what most alarmed security forces. They worried about the mobs outside the ellipse, the fanatics who chose not to go through the mags because they were armed with deadlier weapons. Glock pistols, AR-15s, and other firearms. Cheney played communications traffic among the security forces, along with video depicting gunmen who were spotted in trees and elsewhere out on the mall. So um, the president had security forces who were armed. The president of the United States, nevertheless, was furious, Hutchinson's related, because the mob uh, was being kept away. It spoiled the optics he had in mind. Take the effing mags away, he screamed at his aides and security personnel. Okay, I'm willing to believe, if you can prove it, that something like this happened. The hearsay thing I just throw out the window because the Secret Service has already said they'll testify that never happened. But you want me to believe that people had brass knuckles, clubs, toxic sprays, knives. So um, where were all of these weapons uh, at the Capitol during the riot? Where, where, where were the AR-15s? I mean, we, we, we saw people with flags and they smashed windows out, arrest those people and charge them. So you mean that the people who went to the ellipse, those were the armed factions and they turned over their AR-15s to enter? And then didn't bring them to the Capitol. You can't bring an AR-15 to Washington, D.C. It's illegal. You can't bring brass knuckles to Washington, D.C. It's illegal. This is code of the District of Columbia, 224514, possession of certain dangerous weapons prohibited. No person shall within the District of Columbia possess any machine gun, sawed off shotgun, bump stock, ghost gun, knuckles, or any instrument or weapon of the kind commonly known as a blackjack slung shot. What is that? Sand club, sandbag, switchblade, or any instrument, attachment, or appliance for causing the firing of any firearm to be silent, yada, yada, blah, 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 blah. You cannot bring these weapons in, okay? It's just not reality. So you mean to tell me that with all of Trump's security forces and all of the law enforcement that were around, uh, that, that thousands, tens of thousands of Trump supporters were able to enter into the D.C. area with AR-15s, Glocks, knuckles, knives, etc., not a single person was stopped by the police. Not a single person had any one of these weapons confiscated. It's all one big gobbledygook lie. And, and only the stupidest people in the world believe it. Here's a tweet from Joe Walsh. I guess he qualifies. And don't overlook this. It was proven today that Donald Trump intended to lead an armed insurrection. He knew his supporters were armed. He wanted them armed. He wanted them to take the Capitol and he wanted to go to the Capitol with them to be installed again as king. What? So you mean to tell me that all of these guys were armed and that Trump. They, he didn't tell them to bring weapons, so they didn't. I'm confused here. And it was proven today. So you mean because some lady sits down and says hearsay and other garbled nonsense that she's not privy to, it's proven. You see, this is why I don't like Joe Walsh, Bill Crystal, these neocons. They are, they are, they are. Listen, 
they're stupid people. They're evil, stupid people. But boy, are they stupid. Because I'll tell you this. It's possible Joe Walsh knows none of this is true. Probably. But the idea that this would work on people, you're very stupid. But to be fair, perhaps he's gambling on most Americans just being stupid enough to believe it if they say it. It's Hitler-esque. Say the lie enough and people believe it. And that's what they do. These people are the most vile scumbags this country has ever produced. I believe in freedom, autonomy. I believe that we should let people know the truth so they can decide for themselves what matters. But these people like Joe Walsh, like Cassidy Hutchinson, are the epitome of vile evil, lying under oath. I believe, in my opinion, Cassidy Hutchinson could be doing nothing other than lying under oath. But it's 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 un, uh, it, it's judgment proof. What are you going to do? Bring on the who, who, who spoke to you and, and told you Trump lunged. I don't remember. Did it happen? Yeah. So you're not getting around perjury. Under oath is meaningless. Who told you that there are weapons there? I overheard it. From who? I don't know. I heard some guy, some guy said it. Maybe he was talking about Grand Theft Auto. Oh, I wouldn't know. You can't get these people on perjury. They say in any event, Hutchinson explained the speech, like all presidential speeches, was carefully vetted by staff. White House counsel Pat Cipollone and his staff pleaded for removal of the exorations Trump was insistent on including. Fight for me, fight for the movement, and so on. They were too close to the legal line of incitement. It was plainly foreseeable that the mob would, uh, could take forcible action. If it did, White House lawyers feared that this rhetoric would place Trump squarely in legal jeopardy for whatever mayhem resulted, obstruction of congressional proceedings, intimidation, and assault on federal officials, and so on. The rhetoric stayed in the speech. So did Trump's vow that he would be marching to the Capitol with the mob. Yeah. If you tell me that Donald Trump told the drivers to bring him to the Capitol, I believe it. Trump said he was going to, you know, he was going to head down to the Capitol. While Trump was speaking, people were already there at the Capitol. I believe Trump was still speaking when the people breached the barricades. I don't think, you know, Trump said we're going to peacefully march and then cheer on politicians. I think Trump was hoping that Pence would reject this, that all of these other Republicans would contest the election or whatever, and he didn't have the support. Pence didn't do it. I don't think he, he, he expected the, 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 the riots or anything like that. That was the single most damaging thing to Donald Trump, and it's the weapon and cudgel they use against him. If it did not happen, Trump would be in a much better position. On 529... There was an insurrection at the White House. Far leftists ripped down the barricades, tried to breach the, the, the actual White House, set fire to a White House, a, a guard post and a church, forcing the president to flee into a bunker. That happened. But you see, the issue is the police stopped them and cleared them out. Republicans don't know how to play the game the Democrats play. If the Democrats were in the White House and Trump supporters were at the White House, they would let them tear the barricades down. They'd pull the cops back and say, oh, no, oh, protesters. Then they would show all the videos of the right attacking and say, we need a hearing on this. Is basically what they did. There should have been National Guard at the Capitol. There should have been more police. Many police stood by and did nothing as people did whatever they wanted. Many police officers let them in the building. Democrats allowed this to happen so that they could use it as a cudgel against Trump moving forward. 
or, or I should say they let it happen. Clearly, that's a fact. Cops were taking selfies with these people. It was, it was uh, uh, Democrats who were in charge of security in D.C. When Donald Trump was attacked in the White House on 529, they stopped the attack. But if Trump didn't and said, oh, no, pull the police back, we're being overrun. The protesters would have tore down the fencing. They would have then set fire to more buildings, burned down a church. And the Trump supporters would have said what, you know, the, the Republicans could have been like this country was attacked. The White House was assaulted. And then it, the, the, the narrative would have been inversed, inverted. But they don't know how to handle this. Republicans don't know how to play dirty. The Democrats keep claiming the Republicans play dirty, but they don't. They do stupid procedural things that matter little. They say, slow down there, Democrats. That's Mitch McConnell. What a spineless piece of garbage. And then what happens is Republicans say, we're going to compromise on gun control. Why? None of your constituents want gun control. So why would you go to Democrats to just give them what they want? Because the Republicans do nothing. And people blindly believe the most insane garbled garbage imaginable. Trump White House attorney disputes Cassidy Hutchinson's testimony about handwritten note. Oh, she also lied about writing a note. This is hilarious. I saw I couldn't believe it. They asked her, did you write this handwritten note? And she's like, yes, I did. And then someone else comes out and like, what? I wrote that note. This lady's just making stuff up. She's not going to get charged with perjury for two reasons. One, Democrats like what she's saying. And two, Republicans are too effing pathetic to do anything. The handwritten note that Cassidy Hutchinson testified was written by her was, in fact, written by Eric Hirschman on January 6, 2021. A spokesman for Hirschman told ABC News, all sources with direct knowledge in law enforcement have and will confirm that it was written by Mr. Hirschman. It's amazing. That's a note I wrote at the direction of the chief of staff on January 6, likely around three o'clock. And it's written on the chief of staff note card. But that's your handwriting, Ms. Hutchinson, Hutchinson, asked Liz Cheney. These people, they lie. They are evil. They will burn this country down for power. And we all know it. They make things up. They caught her. Even NBC News exposing this. Yet there are people who refuse to admit it because they're all evil zombie people. You're going to see all the memes on Facebook. That's what I'm seeing. People saying things like, oh, no, Trump knew they had AR-15s. No, he didn't. It's not even been testified that he knew they had AR-15s. It's testified that he wanted that the, 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 the mag, uh, magnometers or whatever magnometers were taking too long to get people in. And then they make this stuff up. And people come out and dispute it, and they just carry on the narrative. It's amazing, isn't it? That this is where we are. And I see these stories, and I see these people on the left who smirk and pretend like it's true, even though they know it's not. And there are so many stupid people in this country, they just go along with it. It's like the video where Jack Posobiec was punched. You ever see it? And then this fat leftist standing next to the place goes, nobody hit him. It never happened. Smiling and smirking. It's like Peter Strzok looking down and going, yeah, I'm going to lie under oath. <laughs> There's nothing you can do about it. It's like Christine Blasey Ford, who lied her ass off. I have two doors because I'm scared I have to flee my house. And they're like, uh, actually, it's because she Airbnbs. I'm scared to fly in a plane. Did you fly in a plane here? Yes. Did you fly in a plane to vacation? Yes. 
And these people just believe it. So this is where we are. I don't know, man. It's just the way things are. Half this country is the, the Democratic voters are very stupid. And they believe this because they're lazy and stupid. And they're being led astray by evil people who lie with smiles on their faces. What more can be said? This country is being burned to the ground by these people and they're laughing as it happens. Well, I suppose you can get out and vote and hope that the Mises Caucus, Freedom Caucus, populist Republicans can put a stop to this. And I think we're winning. These people have to lose. And they're going to lose in November and they know it. And they have to lose in November of 2024 as well. It's the only way we put a stop to this. It really is. Because I'll tell you this, January 6th made them stronger. They used it and it worked. Violence doesn't work. You got to win at the ballot box. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I'll see you all then. The story of the trans skateboarder, Ricky Trez, who's 29, defeating the 13-year-old Shiloh Katoe continues. Ricky Trez spoke with the Daily Mail saying, I'm not going to go easy on them just because they're kids. Trans skateboarder 29 defends competing against young girls and insists she doesn't have a physical advantage. Now, I addressed this story yesterday. I may have to make some similar points, but uh, I think it's worth presenting this and talking about the issue at hand. And the first thing I will say is many people who, who didn't see the segment the other day or still may not may not get it. They're wondering why a 29 year old is competing against a 13 year old. And the issue is there's not enough female skateboarders, period. So they have no choice but to combine all of the female skateboarders into one bracket. And then what do you do? I mean, that's the reality. You could just not have a contest. I mean, that's the reality. Skateboarding is probably one of the most pronounced in terms of gender segregation. I mentioned this the other day. You know, when I watch the WNBA, I, I, I have no idea. I mean, I, obviously, I can see dudes slam dunk and stuff in the, in the NBA, but I see people running back and forth. They're competing against each other. If you have two women, two females competing against each other, then it's going to look like an even match. If you put a female up against a male, both professional level, then you're going to be like, wow, that dude is way stronger, faster, jumps higher and is better and all that stuff on average. With, the male, with skateboarding, it's not the same. Now, many people have tried to claim that, uh, and this is exactly what we have here in this story. Ricky Trace speaking out now and directly addressing the controversy, going on to say that skateboarding is not about physicality. So that, that, that's somewhat true. There is a way that women, females, can defeat males in skateboarding. So uh, let's, let's do this. In skateboarding, it is the most pronounced. If you are not a skateboarder, you can still watch a 12-year-old boy and a 12-year-old girl and go, whoa, this has nothing to do with puberty. For whatever reason, I got two videos I'll just go through quickly because, again, I don't want to rehash too many of the same points. Guy Curry landing the first 1080 ever on a standard vert ramp. And this was in 2021. I believe in 2021. Yeah, the X Games 2021. A 12-year-old boy. This, is a, a, this, this kid's not gone through puberty. He's still got a squeaky voice. So what about testosterone has, has anything to do with this? Well, it could be pre prenatal testosterone. We also have the video I showed yesterday of Tom Shar, who in 2012, at the age of 12 years old, landed the first 1080 ever in skateboarding, a 12-year-old boy. There is nothing comparable 
There is no feat accomplished by a 12 year old girl. In fact, there has not been any major skateboarding feat ever accomplished by a female. In fact, I'm pretty sure the most we've seen of female skateboarders is a 540. I believe we've seen uh, 720s, but these are flyout 720s. So there's a, there's, a, there's a little girl who can do a flyout 720. Flyout is when you go up a quarter pipe, and instead of going up and coming back in, you go up and then land on the ground. It's considered by many to be fairly easy, but a 720 is still good. So I think the first 720 ever done by a girl is a flyout. Typically, when we're looking at skill and if you're judging someone, a flyout is rated way lower than actually doing 720 and coming back in the transition. So let me read you the story and then we'll talk about we'll talk about where we go again. Here's the update. Ricky Trace, 29, spoke to the Daily Mail exclusively about her victory over a 13 year old girl. That 13 year old girl deserves to lose. Well, because she defended it. Shiloh Katori spoke out defending Ricky Trey's, so she deserves to lose, and she doesn't deserve to be in the Olympics. Her dream of being in the Olympics should be crushed, and her little 13-year-old eyes should see the dream of being in the Olympics slip away from her. I obviously don't mean that. What I mean is there should be a women's division and a men's division, and Shiloh, who is really good for a 13-year-old girl, should have every opportunity to compete in the Olympics. But there's something about skateboarding that I need to talk to you about. Let's read the update here on the story first. The transgender skateboarder who sparked fury by beating a 13-year-old girl to claim first prize has defended her competing against children. Telling the Daily Mail, I wasn't going to go easy on them just because they're kids. Ricky Trays, 29, is an L.A.-based trans woman who is formerly known as Richard Batras, a second-class petty officer in the Navy who was married to a woman and has, and has three kids. Two years ago, Trey started taking hormones to transition to become a woman after spending her childhood feeling guilty about cross-dressing. Last year, she submitted a social media entry to take part in the Women's Olympic Skateboarding Qualifiers, and she would have been allowed into the squad had she not failed hormone testing that found she still had too much testosterone in her body. Now, after another year of hormones, she is within the IOC hormone requirements to compete as a woman. And there it is. Ricky Trey's is a 29-year-old trans woman absolutely will crush Shiloh Couture, a 13-year-old girl, thinks she gets to be in the Olympics. If we are judging everyone on a general standard, that is, your gender, your sex is meaningless, then let's just come out and say it. Neither of these people should be in the Olympics. Ricky Trey's is nowhere near good enough at skateboarding to be in the Olympics, nor is Shiloh Couture. Now, if we do gender segregate, biological sex. Shiloh Katori, for her age, should qualify, and Ricky Trey's as a male should not. So let me put it this way. If we're doing a general standard that it doesn't matter what your biological sex is, then Shiloh, you're out. Ricky, you're in. If we go by a biological sex standard and say male division and female division, Shiloh, you're in. Ricky, you're out. You see how that works? Maybe we should allow the 13-year-old girl a chance to develop her skills and eventually become one of the greatest skateboarders in history. It seems, unfortunately, we're not going in that direction. Trey's shot to infamy over the weekend after claiming first prize at the border competition in New York City, an open comp which invites kids and adults to compete against each other. This is normal in skateboarding. It is, tip it is atypical among male divisions because there's too many dudes who skate. 
But there are so few female skateboarders that they typically just make them all compete against each other. And then the whole thing is just kind of a joke. I got to be honest. If you have 10 people who skate and one's 10 years old and one's 30 years old, and I'm talking about male or female or otherwise, you're going to be like, what are we going to do? Have two people, like the, the two 30 year olds compete against each other and the one 10 year old just not compete? Well, if you don't have enough skaters, you've got to combine it. And then it's silly. It's silly because you're like, well, obviously the 30 year old dude is going to be better than the 10 year old. Let's think about skateboarding. I, uh, I'm just going to say this, and, and, and I'm not trying to be a brag or anything. I am a better skateboarder than both of these people. And that's kind of the point. I don't compete because as a man, I would never qualify for the Olympics, for the X Games, or any of these things. I'll tell you, if I were to compete right now in a standard AM contest out of 20 people, I'd probably get 13th or 14th place. Yet I am still better than both of these people. Well, obviously I'm better at skateboarding than a 13-year-old girl, and I'm not trying to be mean to Shiloh. She's a 13-year-old girl. I posted this video yesterday. I don't have it up today. But in my skateboarding career, when I had been skating for the same amount of time that Shiloh has been skating now, I was substantially better than her. Doing 360 flips over gaps, doing nollie hard flip late flips. I could do a whole bunch of really crazy tricks. I had handrails and stairs and all that stuff more so than she has. Duh. Because I'm male and I'm also older. So even though I started skating at an older age and Shiloh started skating at a younger age, being an adult or having a, a, an older, being an older person, you're just going to have more muscle mass, better control, better muscle development. That's just reality. That's reality here too between Ricky and this, this, this 13-year-old girl. Now, the issue is they combine brackets. So the age, in my opinion, just shows how, how it doesn't work in general. So what ends up happening in these skate contests is you'll have a 13-year-old who will skate and not be that good, but the judges will be like, you know, but they are 13, so we'll give them some benefit of the doubt. And then you're like, that's so dumb, dude. Yo, if I'm skating and there's like a three flat three, so three stairs, a flat portion of ground, and then another three stairs, and then I go very fast and I do a kickflip, very basic, probably the most basic flip trick. You jump in the air, the board flips once under you, you catch it in midair and land it on the ground. I'll be good. If a little kid then showed up and just jumped down the stairs, an ollie, as it were, the judges would be like, well, but the kid is 13. That's pretty good. And they'll score them better. That's ridiculous. This is why you don't have little kids compete against adults. However, what's the alternative? Just not have a contest at all? Now, here's a point I want to make that didn't get brought up in the Taylor Silverman story. If you didn't see it, Taylor Silverman is a female skateboarder who would have won first place. She's, 20, I believe, 28 and lost to a trans woman and said this is not fair. One thing that's not been brought up is that Taylor mentioned she's often tried to enter contests in the women's division, and they said, it's not fair. You're too good. You'll just win. You should compete against the men. And isn't that funny? A biological female who should win against other biological females is told to lose against males, but a biological male who was absolutely going to crush the female competition is told it's inclusive to have this. It's a double standard. It makes no sense. So they go on to say, let's, let's, uh, we know the quote, I'm not going to go easy on, on them because they're kids, says Ricky Trays. She says, quote, it's funny 
It's what I am getting beat up over the most. People saying you're beating little kids, little girls. I didn't intend to do that. This is the first one I've been to that's actually that I actually wanted to win. The age thing doesn't really count. Trey said she came to the realization that she is female two years ago after secretly cross-dressing for years as a child. She had watched her mother dress in cute outfits, she said, and had been curious but did not realize she wanted to identify as a woman until she was an adult and left the military. It was the thought of the fact that I've lived 27 years with these, with, with these little guilt over random things that I didn't give myself time to understand. Okay, as for skateboarding. Trey believes skateboarding is down to the individual's skill, not their gender, strength, weight, or height, and that she doesn't fit the mold of a burly man anyway. I don't think I have a physical advantage. Look at me. I'm not buff or anything. Wait, didn't you just say it's not about physicality? If it's not about physicality, then why would it matter if you had a physical advantage? In fact, there are many skateboarders who are ripped, and you'd think they would, like, it's a disadvantage in many ways. I look at skateboarding, and it is true to a sense that physical skill isn't the only determinant factor in your abilities. There are some skateboarders who have no skill, but they're pro. You know why? Because they're willing to die for their sport. And I kind of mean that. I remember watching this video of this dude doing a backside lip slide down like a 20 stair handrail. And I'll, I'll translate for you. A backside lip slide would be when you're standing on your skateboard, backside is when the obstacle is behind you and frontside is when it's in front of you. Makes sense, right? A backside lip slide would be with the railing to your, behind you, you jump and then your, your back foot, so uh, your back foot goes over the rail and then you're sliding down the rail with your chest facing the opposite direction to the direction you're moving. So you're going backwards down there. It's, 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 it's a bold move. It is fairly basic, but you know, there's some, there's more difficulty in it. I watched this dude get wrecked, just slip out, fall, bash, boom, bounce down the stairs, get up and do it again. Anyone can do that if they choose. If you are male or female, there is zero physical advantage in your willingness to break yourself to accomplish the trick. So Shiloh, this 13 year old, if she really wanted to win, could choose to just take an extreme risk. Now, the reality is that for dudes, for males, the risk is lower for a variety of reasons. The higher center of gravity is a major advantage in clearing obstacles. The uh, more bone density, slight or cue angle, all of these things means you're less likely to get hurt. So there's a lower risk, major advantage. But if the females wanted to, they could take the risk. They could say, you know what? I want to be the best. I'm going to do it even if I shatter my bones doing it. Because there are guys who do that. There are males who say, I don't have the same skills. I can't nollie tray flip nose manual, nollie big heel flip out. You don't need to understand that other than it was a complicated maneuver. But you could have someone who says, I may not have that skill, but bro, I'm going to go 40 miles an hour and I'm going to try and backflip this 70 foot gap. And then people are like, that is another element of being good at skateboarding. Your willingness to take risks and your ability to pull off that risk safely. So this is what uh, uh, Trey says. I don't work out really. I just want, I just skateboard. And I don't think skateboarding has anything to do with physicality, especially when you look at these kids these days. She said kids age 12 and up are just as much of a threat to her as adults. And that means it's fair for her to compete against them. Maybe 12 year old boys. Uh, look, you want to talk about the advantage between males and females? I ask you two questions. Why is it that 12 year old boys who have not gone through puberty, are accomplishing some of the greatest feats in skateboarding, but 12-year-old girls are not? Simple question. Because it has nothing to do with puberty. 
prenatal testosterone plays a role. And many people point out the interesting thing, even among gender scholars, that around a certain age, children start to identify with, us, with, with gender, with a certain biological sex. Young boys start becoming more aggressive even before puberty, and young girls start becoming more social. These things happen. The whole, quote, the whole physical aspect of skateboarding isn't really there. It's really the skill level. Any kind of advantage you get is determined by, skaters know, it's your commitment and determination. That is not 100% true. I can say this. If you, if you search on YouTube for Tim Pool Nolly, N-O-L-L-I, you will see me doing what is considered to be a top tier advanced flip trick. The board pops up into the air, and then while it's in midair and flipping already, I hit it again to make it flip a different direction. It's called a Nolly hard flip rewind or Nolly half endo late flip. I don't know. Call it whatever you want. It's an advanced trick. That is skill. A skill that I have. I can do a bunch of very complicated technical tricks. But there are people who are pro who can't do those tricks at all, but are willing to and able to jump down massive handrails downstairs. I could do that. The fact is, I will say it right now. Tim Poole, if he wanted to, could probably backsmith El Toro. The only issue, I'm terrified. What I mean to say is, uh, there's a stair set. It's called El Toro. I don't think it's still in commission. I've been there. I've looked at that rail. It is massive. You jump on it with your board and you slide with your board locked onto the rail down to the bottom. The truth is, I can do all of the basic grinds. I can do blunt slides. I can do feeble grinds, Smith. I can do, I can, I can, uh, uh, I can feeble big spin out, right? You know, I can uh, kick flip front board. I can nollie heel flip front side crooked grind. And you know what? I'm too scared to do it down big rails. If I was more willing and more brave, then I'd probably have great video parts and people would be like, wow, Tim is so good. But that's just it. There are many people who have the same skill that I do, but are too terrified to actually try and do a trick like that. I would just eat it. And the reality is there are some skateboarders who have the skill and the bravery, and that's why they're pro. It's not just about bravery, too. It's that their skill is so high, they know they're not going to fall. For me, I'd be like, I'd try it. I'd probably get hurt. I'd probably pull it off. Here's a secret about skateboarding. You'll watch a skate video. And you'll see some dude jump off a building and do some crazy trick and the board's flipping around. They land and stomp it. And everyone's like, yo, you did it. And then they don't skate for three months because they bruised their heels and their bones and their muscles and things like that. No, for real. There are, there are tricks where people see it and they're like, wow, look what they've accomplished. And they don't realize afterwards the dude hobbled away with crutches. That's how crazy the sport can be. So I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm pretty good at skateboarding. I just don't have the commitment. I don't have the, the tenacity, the bravery, and the spirit to actually be a pro. I can do the tricks. Some of them are just too scary for me. And that's a reality. So that, that, that is a fair point that I, I, I want to bring up. But let's be real. The point I'm also getting to is in some of these videos, photos I probably can't even show on here. The people who have the combination, who have people who have high skill, one of the reasons they're less scared to try the harder tricks is because, quite simply, they know they're not going to fall. And that's what I was saying. For Ricky Trey's to have, to have a, a lower tendency of being injured uh, means this. Here I am right now with a, uh, uh, I think it's a sprain, actually. I thought I broke it because the pain was, uh, it, felt, it felt more like a break, to be honest. Um, 
but it's starting. I'm starting to get movement pretty well. So maybe just maybe just a bad sprain. Um, I've had sprains before, and this one felt very different. Or maybe it's a hairline fracture, and I'm just really arrogant. But uh, anyway, I was just doing a bit. Ba- I wasn't skateboarding. Actually, I was rollerblading. I was doing. A, I was launching off of a three foot launch ramp into an airbag, and I slipped out. And this happens. And then I say to myself, I can't risk getting hurt. So that goes in my mind. And the reason is I have so much riding on doing this job and running this business that it's pointless for me to try and do a front flip and then bust my arm. I was I was trying to do a front flip a few weeks ago. We were filming it. This time I was just jumping and it happened. But there are people whose careers depend on them risking their lives. And if you're a male and you've been injured less, you're going to have less inhibition. You're less likely to end up scared that you're going to get hurt in the first place. And so you're more willing to take the risks. If you've been seriously hurt, you're less likely to try it. You're more likely to be scared. If women have a higher tendency, females have a higher tendency toward injury, toward injury due to the Q angle and a lower center of gravity, then they're more likely to be inhibited than a male would be. So my point is, I understand it's not just about physicality, but I also understand that your willingness to take, to take a risk is, is, is dependent upon the development you had as a skateboarder and whether or not you were injured in the past. Here, let's read a little, bit, a little bit more. A lot of it is negative. A lot of it is positive. I think it's all necessary. People can get angry. People can get happy and people can come together and come up with something. Personally, I don't think segregating everything is the right way. I feel like that would be calling us different, like different human race and uh, when we're not. I'm not saying this is the right one either, but it's the closest one that I've found for some kind of equality. What about some kind of weight oriented, something based off body mass or weight? It's so difficult when we're trying to create a controlled group. Fair points. Seriously. I took all these tests, these testosterone tests. It's a little intrusive. Maybe something based off weight index or maybe experience, like how long you've been skateboarding. You see, the issue the issue is here. Let me read more. I don't think that's the right one. I'm not saying this is the right one either, but it's the closest I've found. Okay, so it's a repeat. Something based off, they're just repeating the quote. Okay, here's the point. I don't think Ricky understands prenatal testosterone, fast twitch muscle, hip ratio, and center of gravity. I've read all these things, trying to understand. Look, when I was younger, I watched female skateboarders just not be good. And I'm like, I don't get it. I had a friend, a female skateboarder, who could hit big handrails and was better than everyone else. Why? Confidence and ability. But could not do a tray flip. And then I was constantly telling her, like, dude, just go full speed up the bump and just try a tray flip. And she started doing it, started getting it. And she's like, I just can't. It's hard. So I thought to myself, how, why is that? Like, why is it that I can jump over, uh, so I can ollie over six decks. Uh, you stack the decks up, skateboards up, uh, interlocking them six, six high, and that's the most I've ever ollied over. Actually, I may have cleared, I don't think I've ever landed a, ollieing over seven, but uh, I've, I've ollied over seven and then not landed it. So I've been able to clear it, but, and I don't really skate all that often, but six, I could consistently ollie over fairly easily. And I wondered why it was that I could do that. And my female friend could not. And I'm like, why? She's been skating way longer than me. She's like, we, we were younger. So it's not like I was super taller. I was a little bit taller, but she couldn't even ollie over, I think, four decks. And I just didn't know why that was. I looked it up. And then I read about center of gravity and pulling your legs up to your center of gravity. Maximizing ollieing requires you lifting your legs up to your core. And if your core is higher, then you're going to get more clearance. And I went, wow. And then I read about injuries and I went, wow. And now understanding that I'm like, this is why we have a male and female division. This is why we separate it. I'm going to say this because I tweeted it. As you know, 
Shiloh posted, or if you saw my segment yesterday, Shiloh Katori, who lost, posted a video saying she has the dream of being in the Olympics. Shiloh, you don't deserve to be in the Olympics because in your video, you say you're proud of Ricky and all that stuff. And you agree with what happened. Let's take that into consideration. You then have a bunch of pro skateboarders and you have independent trucks, a prominent skateboard company. You have TJ Rogers, a, a prominent uh, a skateboarder, all cheering and, and saying, good job. The industry standard and your standard, Shiloh, is that Ricky should compete and should win. And if that's the case, we are not going by a gender standard, right? We're going by a general, a general standard. If that's the case, you are not good enough to be in the Olympics. Now, if you think that the Olympics should just say, but you're 13, so we'll let you have it, then you're asking for special treatment. And I don't agree with that. If we want to go by the, by the standard that males and females are different, well, then Shiloh absolutely should be in the Olympics. But I'm here to respect the wishes of Shiloh. I'm here to respect the wishes of the industry. And then I will do my own thing. You see, I'm a centrist libertarian for the most part, slightly liberal leaning, but uh, left leaning, but you know, libertarian. More power to all of you. Do your thing. I got no beef. I will point out my objections and then I'm going to go do my own thing. So here's what I'll do. I'm going to set up a, uh, you know what I'll do? Hey, I'm not even kidding. Let's, let's have a, uh, um, a uh, contest. We'll have a skate contest. We'll put up a grand prize of, I don't know, we could do some legit big grand prize like $10,000. And then second place can be $5,000. And third place can be $2,500. And then we'll do uh, top brackets to six with like, you know, a couple hundred bucks each. And we'll have a male division and a female division, not a men's and not a women's. And y'all can have your contest. I got no issue with it. Do your thing. And then I'll make mine. I'll do that. Ricky, you would have to compete in the males contest because we'll have a male and a female bracket, not a men's and a women's. That's just it. There you go. That's and then and then I got to be honest, I don't think Ricky would actually qualify for the men's because a top prize of that big and you're going to get some big pros coming out in the male division and the top best females in the world will compete and the best females in the world will win. So look, Shiloh, if you entertain this as what you want. Awesome. Good for you. Keep skating. You are really good. You're just not good enough to be in the Olympics compared to Ricky Trey's. And I think it's kind of uh, it's kind of strange that you would say stand there being like, I want to qualify for this when it's like, yeah, but, you know, you're not good as a bunch of other trans women as well. There are several other trans women skaters who are way better than all of these women who competed. They should be in the Olympics. By your standard. So if that's what you want, encourage that and accept it and accept you're not good enough. Let me put it this way. Men are in the men's division. Should I be in the Olympics? How insane would it be if I came out and I was like, I'm going to go try and qualify for the Olympics. I'm too scared to do a backside lip slide down a 10, st 10 stair handrail, but I should be in the Olympics against all the other people who have the skill and the spirit to do it. No, that's insane, right? Okay. Same standard. Shiloh, you should not be trying to be in the Olympics when you're not as good as all the other women, trans women included, who should be in the Olympics. It's just weird to me that people of low skill would think they should be. Now, I'll set up my female division, my, my, my skate contest, male and female division, and uh, you'd probably qualify and win $10,000. But I'll do that, and we'll see how many people are really willing to be involved. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at YouTube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then.